pony, beef, sheep, pigs, chickens? Are you looking for the best ugly advice from the real specialists? Look no further. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Rinstow's Ugly Podcast, the home of talking agriculture. Today's episode is all about beef. We'll be discussing everything from calf selection to rearing animals, genetics and practicalities on farm. Joining me is Millie Handy, our calf and young stock specialist covering the Midlands. She grew up on a mixed beef and sheep farm and is passionate about the industry. She also shows cattle in her spare time and rears some calves. Also joining us today are Luke Derrick, our animal health expert covering the Midlands and Welsh borders, and Simon Cabtree. Luke joined Wednesday in 2009 after gaining experience at Reading University Dairy Farm and is now our top animal health expert on the road. Luke also rears calves with about 200 on farm at any one time. Simon has come from a beef and sheep farm in the Yorkshire Dales and contract rears roughly 2,000 beef calves as well as grazing and finishing towards 500 beef animals yearly. Welcome all to the Agriab podcast. Hi Tony. Morning Tony. Hello Tony. So Millie, um, start with you. How would you advise a new farmer to the industry, to the livestock sector, how to choose healthy calves? Yeah, um, difficult one. It is, it's all going to depend where you choose your calves from. Obviously there's multiple sources where we can can buy these calves. Um, I think it's definitely worth discussing colostrum management to start with. It would be a major factor in beef or dairy calves. And I think we would definitely advise paying a little bit extra if you can guarantee that calves had 10% of birth weight to um, start with. Obviously, markets are a great way of buying numbers. It just depends on how many calves you're having from each farm, I suppose, and trying to minimise that as much as we can. Buying groups are excellent. We work very closely with buying groups. So they, again, are paying premiums for better quality calves. Obviously, genetics pays a massive role. If you um, know what type of cows these are out of or beef balls that they're using, it will all counteract towards the end goal, I suppose, won't it? So, yeah, genetics, nutrition, management, where these calves are coming from. If you can guarantee that they've had the sound nutrition to start with and hygiene environment, yeah all play a massive factor in that and I think you, you will notice a good calf from a bad calf won't you if you've got an, an eye for calves it's uh, mm. it's one of those so mm. yeah the condition the weight per age or if there's anything that you think's a little bit iffy about the calf then you've just got to ask the questions I think on those ones yeah yeah so always worth paying a bit of extra money for the best yeah calves. yeah and yeah. I think loyalty is massive and if, if you've got a supplier that's going to take these calves throughout the weeks I suppose if if they've got to take them all at once or if they're taking them weekly you've just got to have that that relationship with the with the customer the dairy farmer and the rearer you'll pay extra for those calves that you know have had good colostrum or good nutrition the, in the yeah. start so yeah so um, once you've bought the calves that you want what what would be your top tips to keep them healthy what, that, that's the really days on your farm i suppose sheds a massive one when you're buying in calves isn't it the environment that you bring these calves into nutrition's always going to be a little bit of a hard one because often you're not going to be able to keep them on the same same milk powder or same whole milk that they were previously on so if mm. you keep that nutrition up it'll help with any stress or disease factors that are coming in luke might be able to tell more on buying in calves but we always give them electrolyte feed on arrival it just helps with the the stress of movement and um farm to farm especially if they've been in market so giving them electrolyte feed when they come onto our unit keep nutrition high hygiene is massive i think any any person that goes to buy calves or or choosing calves needs to be dipping their boots the amount of diseases that can get spread on farm would be massive and i don't think people take that into consideration enough so yes yeah. nutrition hygiene everything you would do for a dairy heifer really yeah 
Well, Luke, when when you uh, when your cows come in, what what's your protocol? They're coming to me before they're going to milk a milk farm further down the road, and um, where they're reared by two ladies on a farm there, and then they come to me between roughly aiming for ninety kilos. They come in in batches of hundred and thirty and sixty. But the main thing is get them back to size, get them back to weight. Don't worry about the age. Get away from the age, get them cows in a group where they can handle each other, handle them, get to the feed trough. They're not being bullied away and try and minimise the handlings as much as you can. You know, silly things like clip them when they're in the trailer when you're moving them rather than getting them back out to clip them. You know, minimise that handling. Stress on calves is massive. Mm-hmm. Nobody puts enough on it. And also, like you said, hygiene. Yeah. Wash those sheds, wash feeders, lime sheds. We put wood chip in the bottom of the sheds for drainage, just out with drainage. Good quality straw is worth its money. You know, it might yeah. look dear at the moment. Straw does look dear at the moment. It is dear, but the better the quality, the better job it will do. So yeah. massively keep, you know, and get your sheds ventilated. Get someone in to check if that shed is actually the area is moving. You know, whether it's Rich Wild for us is very good. He'll come out, smoke bomb sheds and do all that sort of thing. Get, make sure the shed is working for the cows. Not, it's not just a shed on the farm because mm. you've got nowhere else to put them. Do you know what I mean? That right. is a big problem on farm. Get that ventilation working, otherwise you're fighting a losing battle before you start really and the disease will just kick off. But it depends and, and try and get them from as fewer sources as possible. I think that'll play it so in any way, won't it, in the future with integration so that yeah. The, yeah. the less movements we can have on a passport, the better it is for the food chain, isn't it? So it'll all play a factor in the future anyway. A lot of them want three minimum moves now, don't they? Yeah. They yeah, want three moves, so that take, does take a bit of doing, to be fair. So, yeah, you are going to see less and less calf, market calves moving on to integrated systems, and you will straight off farm, straight into systems. So. What size groups would you have them in, Luke? Biggest group we have is 30. Okay. No more than 30, yeah. I suppose that links back to computerised feeders, doesn't it? If anyone's got calves on computerised feeders when they're batching calves, we often say 25. 30 the feeder could handle but um 25 is a nice size to have they stay with their group as well mm. very very minimal move between groups and that starts happening as they get bigger and you're you know moving stuff out of stuff leaving but yeah for the first time they're either in that they're in that same pen of calves for eight to nine weeks so no stress on movement no stress of change of group nobody sort of puts a we all see it in cows and everyone tries to do it as little as possible in cows milking cows but no one seems to worry about it with beef cattle for some reason they just keep moving around so i think that's a massive mm. massive stress mm. uh, i know from my own experience when we used to be with cows in hutches uh, we were very careful about moving from hutches to groups and always put them together as one group if you tried adding a new calf to an existing group he really suffered yeah 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 i think people still find that obviously we've we've moved to two and a hutch now or or bigger bigger pen sizes haven't we so um yeah even feed and behavior i think it definitely helps grouping them earlier if you can um but again you've got to take on farm considerations haven't you and and disease pressures or what whatever works for the system so yeah so Millie, just explain to our audience what your job entails so obviously we start with the um the dry cows the cholesterol management i think as i said to start with it's it's massive part to any beef or dairy calf getting that colostrum in getting that immune system going we need to give them the best start we can we advise on nutrition so obviously there's there's many different milk powders or, or feeding systems so we advise on the best powder or best feed program to suit your system obviously we're, we're seeing changes in research and higher nutrition that definitely gains benefits to both beef and dairy calves um environment obviously we've got a massive team so we have hardware specialists that can advise you on different fans for the shed tube fans or a big extractor fan i think that yeah the key thing with that would be keeping air moving for the calves rather than creating a draft we can obviously look at existing sheds and create them more suitable for calf rearing 
people often do it as a, a sideline don't they we do it at home so um it, it keeps the money ticking over and I enjoy it personally but in unless you had the right shared an environment it wouldn't be as easy to rear cars. We run into pneumonia issues all day long, don't we, if we don't have that right. And then having that relationship with other customers in terms of selling the calves, that would be massive. We have a lot of people that work within the industry anyway, work with a lot of buying groups so they can always have a market for the calves as well. I think it's taking all that into consideration um, and we're there for advice and weighing calves, keeping track of those growth rates and making sure calves are performing on any system. Right. I think the other um, one, Tony, is I yeah. think, for like in my area, I'm very lucky. I don't know about Mills area and places, but um, we're quite close with Belmont Vets. Get on very well with them. Okay. Uh, you know the vets are, are very very good now. They're not just coming out on a call. You know they will come and do protocols, advice. Um, obviously we do milk powder feed, ventilation. Um, but obviously if you want to be checking up on vaccination protocols and all that sort of thing, deorning, castrate, and all that sort of stuff, it's all coming back to vets. So like yeah, you want to try and we work well with them and we win the state, um, but obviously that whoever's coming into it needs to have a good relationship with the vets as well. Come and see you and have a chat about what you want to do and what you actually want to achieve, because it's all about what you're going to do with the end product at the end of the day. So, yeah, that would be our sort of way of looking at it. Yeah, good advice. You know, Millard's seeing about now, we were, we were on a farm um, on Wednesday, you know, a lot of Jersey cows on that farm. Luckily, he was using sex semen, so he weren't having those bull calves coming through but there's a lot of um, New Zealand genetics and that sort of thing coming through now so trying to get growth rates out of those calves is uh, hard work um, yeah they're never going to be the big animals but they've still got a place in the market haven't they they still mm. have a yeah growth, you know it's how you how you rear those animals and where they end up going yeah and I think we, well we have been lucky with trade this year at the moment haven't we and I think there is a market for a lot of yeah. things yeah everything um so yeah just getting those calves whether yeah the birth weights are smaller you still need to get those gains and um, maximize the the feed efficient point of that calf um obviously taking costs into consideration but the money's there isn't it at the moment so so uh simon perhaps a question for you um for somebody who is going into calf rearing for the first time uh, what advice would you give them no way you're selling the animals to before you buy um, and buy accordingly to what to what outlets you have. Time on farm and weight gain is a key key to profitability in in carving systems. And knowing what's going where when helps throughput and output a heck of a lot. An animal towards when it gets to 150 kilos plus, it, it, the amount it's eating on ad lib and costing you, it's it's as well. It's it's time for it to move on to a different system. You're okay. better off having a calf in at 50 kilos to move on again. Yeah. So uh, when you talk about outlets, I mean, how many different types of outlets are there for, for calves? Well, as ever, you've got markets, you've got direct to farmers, you've got through other marketing companies, yeah. lots of different outlets. All depends on the scale, what you want to achieve from it, um, whether you want to just, just do a few or you want to do big volumes. Regular outlets are key because you've got batches coming through three times a year on a, a rearing unit generally. So knowing people who take calves regularly and dealing with a handful of customers rather than a lot of customers makes it a lot easier. And just producing a consistent product will get return custom and repeat yes. custom, which is it's easier to keep customers than it is to go out and try and find them. So, so you know, the beef market is fairly buoyant at the moment. Where do you think it will be in 12 months time? Start with you, Simon. It's been buoyant the last 12 months. Lockdown's helped because a lot of the UK, 85% of UK beef goes into retail. Obviously, with no customer service or food service have been closed down over the last 12 months. So 
the vast majority of people buying beef has been through retail and butchers. So that's that's helped a lot. Numbers of cattle on the ground are probably lower than they have been for a few years. The, the abattoir slaughterings are down, but the numbers of cattle aren't necessarily there either. So yes. there's a very happy medium to be had there, which is very much controls the price, supply and demand. This time of year, trade has picked up now. And with the weather, that's made a massive difference on the, on the beef trade. So over the next 12 months, there's not going to be a massive influx of numbers at any point. So in theory, it should stay fairly buoyant for the next 12 months, in my eyes. Do, do we still get plenty of Irish beef imported? Um, a lot of the Irish imports goes into the food service. So ah, say when you go out, nice. go into restaurants and what have you, that's where a lot of the Irish beef goes. Mm. So they, um, UK retail isn't 100% carcass utilisation. So they take what they want and the rest has to be sold into the food service. So the fluctuation in trade can be very much dependent on the Irish. Mm. So if you, say, sell 20 to 30% of your animal into food service, if the Irish price is, is low, that puts a lot of pressure on your 20 30 percent you're having to sell that way mm. so yes it does it does affect it a lot and recently hasn't been a lot coming in purely because of that food service sector has has been quiet okay yeah but their numbers are down as well they haven't got as many cattle over there or haven't been slaughtering as many cattle over there as previous years as well okay yeah any thoughts on it luke yeah obviously on farm on farm those days um seeing farmers fairly buoyant on beef price at the moment and lamb price you know um, which is massively helps our job as Wednesday as well you know people are people are farmers are always keen to spend money when the job's going well but I think you know hopefully we'll see feed prices be a bit more level or even to stay level would be quite nice and hopefully the beef price stays where it is so people can continue to make a margin obviously feed prices continue off that margin gets smaller and smaller um, bigger and bigger money out for the farmer as well as Wednesday really you know when we get into feed prices like we are at the moment it's a lot of turnover for everyone so it's managing mm-hmm. that managing that business managing that from our side of it I suppose Wednesday managing that credit as well to be able to support mm-hmm. those businesses to carry on growing as well we want to see want to see farmers continue to grow so we continue to grow and yeah we've got to be able to help people do that so yeah yeah and Millie, presumably you get a you know a gauge on the numbers of calves available and that sort of thing. Do you think that's... Yeah. yeah. I think we're definitely seeing more people move towards block calving. So you've got your yeah. spring, your autumn block calves. Um, I think just the, the important thing for us is to keep that quality up. Obviously, larger numbers in those block herds. Um, obviously, there's going to be more disease pressure. There's going to be more numbers per head and the calf area has got to, got to handle more um, ultimately. Um, but yeah, just keep that quality of calve up keep the nutrition there and if we can get a better calf at two three weeks old then yeah the buyer's going to appreciate that more and have a better calf to go into the system yeah, yeah. okay yeah uh simon very topical news thing at the moment is the australian tree trade deal are, are british farmers worrying about nothing or is it something to worry about further ahead there's always to be something to worry about because even if it's not into the main retail sector which doubt undoubtedly won't be no. there's always anything's putting pressure on our price um, like yeah. Australian beef price at the moment is very similar to ours because they're it? obviously the drought the last year or two they're having to restock a lot so the actual mm-hmm. numbers of cattle being slaughtered over there are minimal but that won't be forever a few years down the mm-hmm. line we'll be back up to capacity and what have you so yes mm-hmm. it freight's a big thing it's a long way and demand on the doorstep from China there might not be as much as people come over as people anticipate but it, there still will be some which will put pressure on ours inevitably. Yeah. But the, the, the that, farmer's point of view, they can't control anything like that. All they can do is control what they do on farm. Yeah. So rather yeah. than fo- rather than yeah. focusing on yeah. the ifs and maybes, focus on what you can control. Yeah. 
control your That's own. It, control yeah. your own thoughts, yeah. isn't it? change what you can accept what you can't not far off unfortunately mm. just one other question on that the politicians keep insisting that hormone fed beef will never be allowed in the UK so is much Australian beef hormone treated um, the legislation in Australia is we can treat with hormones if the animal is ill okay. is how it works Having spoken to a few people, the, the size of the Australian herd and how, how they work, it would produce beef according to the markets. We'd have a, an Asian market, a domestic market, a European market to fit the different specs and what, what the demand is. So yeah. with the way the feedlots work and what have you, we can put the animals into each way accordingly to what the, the specification is. Yes, it does get used, not as widely as the US, for instance, but it is it is something to be wary about, obviously. Yeah. On the, on the genetics you just said about it, so in the UC and obviously like around us now, we are seeing more and more Jersey half crossbred New Zealand cross, whatever you want to call them. Obviously, you know, those cows are fully grown are probably 480 kilos maximum. Are you seeing that coming through on the on the dead weight system that those things are struggling to meet spec? Do you have any or do you see? Yeah, you always you see it. You can see it in the weight for age. Like a lot of animals over two years old and under 300 kilos type things. So you do see it coming through. There's, there's a fine line because there's a lot of those about and the top 25% of the cows are fine because yeah. if somebody runs a herd of Kiwi cross cows, for instance, they'll have a range of 500 to 600 kilo cows. They're not all 500, 520. Yeah. If you get the right genetics on those, some of them are, are will we'll gain spec and will do will make profit. But if you go too far down the size to Jersey bread, for instance, and bad genetics, somebody buys a 1200 quid stop ball to tra- chase up with. Those animals, you've got to be very wary of those type of animals because they never, they never, they look good value as a calf value, should I say, but they never come to that money at the end because we never get the weight. Yeah, always yeah. struggle to hit that spec as well, won't they? So yeah, unless yeah. the upgrade changes, it it won't ever. Unless the weight, yeah, unless the weight spec drops 30 mm. kilos, which from an abattoir's point of view, it's not cost efficient. Like you need a carcass over 300 kilos, ideally, for your processing costs. Mm-hmm. If you've got it's only 240 kilos, by the time you've boned it out and what have you, your cost of processing per kilo is a heck of a lot more. And also, you probably your sales are probably based on a certain speck of animal, aren't they? A certain speck of, when you go to a supermarket and you buy steak, you buy a six pound steak, for instance, you want it to be the same weight. So mm-hmm. if you get a big, big variance in, if you had a 240 kilo carcass and a 440 kilo carcass to try and get the steaks off those into one one specification, it, it, it couldn't. So that's why there's a lot of pressure to get the carcass size smaller and more even dis- evenly distributed to be able to get the most value out of expensive cuts. And it has to be consistent for that um, consumer anyway, won't it? So Yeah, it needs to be consistent. If you, if you want people to buy volume and come mm-hmm. back and buy regularly it has to be a consistent product they're not gonna if you had a bad steak you're not gonna spend six pounds for a long time you're gonna forget about it and then come back again in theory if you had a good one you go every week so that's that's what the consistency and quality and the tight specification is what will drive sales mm-hmm. rather than price so so to enable that then simon do you do you discuss with farmers how they need to feed them to get what you want yeah yeah well, yeah de- definitely get what we want and it obviously has to be their, yeah. their benefit as well like yeah. I always say, if you send us what we want, we'll generally pay accordingly. Like yeah. we, everybody wants what we want, and they have a certain job for a certain thing. And you, you've got to try and help the farmers be efficient. Like everybody has to make their share to be there. So if a farmer is inefficient and not getting the weight gains and not getting a cost-effective growth, it's not going to be, it's not going to be there for as long as you you want him to be. So it's in everybody's interest for for everybody to be everyone to to make money and do a good job. Yeah. So which when um you go around a lot of farms, you see a lot of different ways of doing it. There's no right or wrong way. It's all depends on what suits that farm and what they want they yeah. want to achieve. But you do see lots of different bits which will help people when you're around around and about. Uh, so, so you know, with the different 
types of genetics coming through now. You, we've always had the sort of intensive day bred calves, but now you've got quite a few uh, New Zealand style herds with crossbreds and so on, and the calves have to stay on farm longer. What What are your thoughts on on how to manage those genetics? Um, start with you, Simon. There's a lot of variance between herds and within herds, so yeah. it's it's a lot of it is knowing knowing the dams and what type of cows they're out of as much as knowing what size they are okay it's sort of 50 50 is your, your split so it's you got to be mindful of what what they're out of what the potential growth and the potential of that animal is we may well look good as cars and we look good until five months but there is a point in their life they will forget to grow and everything else will surpass and that the old the later on in life the more the costing per day in theory so the okay. cost per kilo gain is very key so it's just yeah it's just been very mindful of it and and cautious within reason yeah but when you're out on farm, Luke, how do you see, you know, different ways those those different types are managed? I think um, I think people have got to, I think the, the actual starts with a dairy farmer, doesn't it? How he then breeds off those lighter animals. You know, there's, there's schemes now for all sorts of different things. But putting the right bull on the right cow, you know, selecting those cows, if they are going to end up going for beef calves or into beef, they've got to be suitable for purpose. They've, they've got to be a use to the next man in the line or in the system, I think. So, you know, we visited a farm the other day, purely, purely, they had two separate herds. You had a Holstein herd and a Jersey herd. All the Jerseys were put to sex semen because the bull calves don't have a value. So, you know, he was putting all his Jerseys to sex semen to try and solve that problem. So, yeah, he was he was managing it from that side. But, yeah, I think there's certainly starts, starts at the dairy farmer and if he is selling calves to... The next person in the line having that discussion with them that he's providing something they want yeah and millie would you say that some dairy farms have now got to learn a little bit more about colostrum management and so on that because those calves are going to stay with them a bit longer yeah i think they've definitely had to um well change their systems isn't it you've still got to take into consideration your heifers um yeah. stock intensities you're going to have more calves on farm until a certain age depending on when you can sell them so Colossal management, again, is key. Um, I think if you have a, an easy enough practice for staff, it, it's manageable and you can can do it. So um, I think it's just finding those protocols that work well for the system, ensuring every calf does have it. Because, again, if you can get that colostrum in and get that calf worth an extra £10 per head, then it'll, um, it'll soon pay across a bigger herd, won't it? So. OK. Right, well, thank you, Millie, Luke and Simon. Uh, that was a really good podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. The AgriHub podcast will be back next month with more news, insight, chat and tips. So don't forget to like and subscribe now. If you would like any advice or practical know-how in the meantime, just visit our website and we'll be happy to help. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and we look forward to welcoming you again soon.